Welcome to Blaine Christ the King. You are listening to our weekly service message podcast. Join us every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock at our campus location in Blaine, Washington. Thanks for tuning in. If you've been with us for a while, you know that we've uh, been going through a series these last few weeks called Changed by Hope. And uh, we've been talking a lot about hope. Um, because in Christ we have an amazing hope that's supposed to drive every part of our lives, that's supposed to impact everything about us. And so um, we've been journeying through the book of 1 Peter, which is all about hope, especially in the midst of pain. And so uh, this week we're going to continue that series, and we're going to talk about how hope actually unifies us, how hope actually brings us together around what's most important. So we're going to talk about that. You know, Christmas is a time where people tend to emphasize unity and togetherness. Um, We all have our favorite Christmas songs, and one of mine is Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. You know, it's kind of jazzy, right? Um, James Taylor does the best version, by the way. I don't know if anyone wants to back me up on that. Um, But yeah, the song Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, and there's a line in there that says, through the years, we'll always be together. And um, the idea is that at least at one point in the year, we'll be together with everybody we love. We'll be unified. And, uh, of course, that's not always possible. Um, we have people that we're missing, that we're separated from. But the, the song gives us this image of being together with everybody that you love. And it's something that we look forward to every year. Because I think deep down, we long for unity with others. We long to be around people who really love us. And uh, unfortunately, we live in a world that's really divided. You know, we long for unity because we live in a world that's constantly divided. Um, You know, the first first job I got out of college um, was for a recruiter in a staffing company. And I remember, you know, I was a new, fresh-faced kid. I didn't know anything about anything. And I came into this job, and what they told me was, if you want to get ahead, you have to beat the next guy. You have to just beat the next guy. This is about competition. It's every man for himself. And I remember that felt so, like, divisive. You know, we were divided. We were all competing against each other. Um, In fact, in this company, uh, we got a a, uh, chart every week of where we ranked nationally among all the recruiters. And so we lived and died by this this chart that came out, by this report. And... um, you know, honestly, it was, it was tough to work there because we, we weren't really a team. Uh, we couldn't really be a team because at the end of the day, everybody was living for themselves. You know, everybody was for themselves because they were, um, they were sort of pitted against each other. And when we live in a divided world, things can feel cold like that sometimes. We can, li- we can feel like the world is kind of cold and against us, and really we're on our own. And it's, uh, it's because this world is, is full of selfishness and people who are, you know, we're all kind of looking out for ourselves. And in this world, um, in a selfish world, uh, Jesus calls us, the church, to be a people of profound unity, a unity that sticks out in a divided world. So today we're going to read a chunk of scripture together. It's First uh, Peter, and we're going to read from uh, 2, 4, to 12, and I'll just read it. You don't have to read it with me. I'll just read it so it's, uh, you know, it's manageable there. But um, yeah, uh, read along uh, as we, uh, as I I go through this. 
it says, uh, Peter says, As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. So today we're going to be going through this scripture and what it tells us about the kind of unity we're supposed to have. Because in Christ, with our hope in Christ, we have unity. It's a hope that unifies us. Uh, Peter says when we come to Christ, we're like living stones being built together into a spiritual house. Um, Rob, you may remember Rob Rogers was here a couple weeks ago and how he talked about how we're all like rocks that God has put together with Christ in the center to make something beautiful. He was from Pennsylvania, so he talked about being the keystone state and how you know God, Jesus is the keystone of this great arch. You, you might also remember he called us a bunch of dumb rocks if we aren't a part of it. So insults are easy to remember. So, um, But basically, we are meant to be together. We're meant to be bricks in a spiritual house. Um, this guy, C.E.B. Cranfield, said there's no such thing as a solitary Christian. You can't be a Christian and be isolated. There's no such thing. It doesn't work. Because uh, when we follow Christ, we're like a brick um, that doesn't have any purpose in and of itself. But when you put it together with the other bricks, uh, it makes this beautiful structure, this spiritual house where God's presence can dwell. A brick doesn't do anything when it's sitting on the ground, but when it's included in a structure, it becomes, uh, it becomes beautiful. It becomes a part of a greater whole in Christ. So uh, how does this hope unify us? Well, we see a couple things here in this passage. We see that um, we have been called out as a people. God has called us out as a people. Um, you, we might not like being called out. Maybe you've been in those awkward meetings where you have been called out, but God has called us out as a people. See, our hope in Christ, it makes us stand out to the rest of the world. It distinguishes us from the rest of the world. It says that God called us out of darkness into a marvelous light. Basically, before Christ, we were wandering around in the dark, not knowing where to go. And now that we've received Jesus, we, we have been called into truth and grace. Uh, we've been called into a life that's complete. And so we don't have to wander around blind anymore. 
uh, we found Jesus. And you remember Jesus said he's the way, the truth, and the life. Like we found our way when we found Jesus. And so because of that, while we're here on earth, we're a different type of person. We behave differently. You know, last week we talked about how we as a people, um, because of our hope, we passionately pursue the holiness of God. The, the holiness of God that we've been set apart. And we've been set apart because God bought us. God called us his own kids with the blood of Jesus. So I just want you to look real quick at all the things that God calls us. We have a list. All the things in this passage that we're called it says that we are chosen and precious by God. We're a spiritual house. We're a royal priesthood. We're a holy nation. We're a people of his own possession. We are God's people. So we've been called out of darkness into this amazing community um, with all these different things. It's kind of mind-blowing reality of who we are in Christ. And so these things, if we own this as a church, it's going to make us stand out in the world. It's going to make us different in some ways than the rest of the world because we, our identity has changed and our identity as a community has changed. And it, we're not supposed to hide it, that we're God's people. We're not supposed to avoid who we are or avoid talking about it. We're just supposed to accept it and live it out. You know, unless you're a raging extrovert, you probably don't like to stick out in a crowd. Can I just see, who, who likes to stick out in a crowd? Anybody? Dakota, the guy sitting in the back do, okay, right on. Why don't you guys come up here, that'd be great. Um, but uh, yeah, unless you're a raging extrovert, you probably don't like sticking out in a crowd. But if we embrace who we are in Christ, if we're God's people, there are going to be times where we stick out. You know, I know it's easy at work or wherever to just be one of the boys or one of the girls, um, but sometimes our hope causes us to stick out. Maybe it's how we talk about other people, how we love other people, what we don't say about other people, maybe how we avoid gossip or we just act differently, but we're going to stand out at some point. We're going to cause people, if we live this out, we're going to cause people to ask questions about what makes us tick. And so as a church and as, a, as an individual, we, we shouldn't dance around that, you know, for convenience. We need to embrace who we are, that we're this different people. And uh, we are chosen and precious by God. We're called chosen and precious. And so we don't, uh, we don't neglect that because God paid a big price for you. And God paid a big price for his church. And so uh, we are, um, we're included in, in this, in this uh, calling together. So we are called out as a people. But the other thing that this passage shows us is that we're called together as a people. We're called out, but we're not called out on our own. We're actually called together into this new community that God has formed. Our hope brings us together. You know, we talked about the first week that our identity as Peter puts it, is that we're weary travelers in this life. That this life is difficult, but we have this amazing destination in mind. We have an inheritance that's kept for us. And so on the journey, we're weary travelers with this destination in mind. But the good news is, is that we don't travel alone. We're not a lone wolf out on the highway. Like we're called together into this amazing community. And so we weren't meant to go through life alone or struggle alone through this life, but to come together to be something greater than we are alone. See, if you look in Scripture, 
Jesus actually wants extreme, what I would call extreme unity in his church, a really extreme type of unity. It's like sort of an unmatchable type of unity. Um, in John 17, um, this, it's called this famous high priestly p- prayer. Basically, Jesus is uh, in the garden before he's about to go to the cross, and he's crying out to God. And in this, in this time where he's just crying out to God, he specifically asks for his church to be unified. He says this. He says, I do not ask for these only, talking about his disciples, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them, even as you loved me. Jesus says, may they be perfectly one. May they be one like like God the Father and God the Son are one. That's a pretty crazy amount of unity. There's no cracks in that relationship between God the Father and God the Son. It's completely secure. He wants our bonds to be so strong that we operate in complete unison, like synchronized swimmers, right? Anybody? No, I'm just kidding. Um, But uh, we're supposed to operate in extreme unison, And so the way we love each other and the way we support each other is supposed to stick out in a world where everybody is living for themselves. And so that's God's heart, that we'd be bound together in a type of extreme unity. And that should give us hope as we're weary travelers because we um, we have brothers and sisters that are really there for us. We have brothers and sisters that care about us. But here's the, here's the deal, and this is where I think it kind of breaks down. Like, let's get real for a minute. Um, do we really think about church like that? Do we really think about our church experience as one of extreme unity? When you showed up today, do you feel like you were invited into something that was, like, extremely unified? I don't think most of us do. I don't think it, most of us expect to experience a profound type of unity when we show up to a church gathering. We might even say, that's a little idealistic. Um, that's, that might even be impossible in our culture. I looked it up, and you know how much the average Christian engages the church on a weekly basis? is about two to three hours. So it's about 2% of your life on a weekly basis. I think it's hard to expect extreme unity when you give 2% of your life to something. And so it begs this question, what are we looking for in the church? What are we looking for in the church? When I was in college, I went to this big worship gathering down in Texas. I traveled down with about uh, 20 friends, and we went to this big worship gathering where there's about 40,000 people hanging out in a field in Texas. It was pretty cool. Um, All college students from all over the country and we got together, and, and we worshiped, and we heard amazing teaching, and, you know, we're camping out all together, and while we're camping out, somebody's, like, reading scripture from a loudspeaker. Uh, it was just a really unique experience, and then at the end of it, they, they sent us out and said, like, okay, go and reach your campuses for Jesus, so it's like this big moment, and I remember there was this one girl in our group who, as we were processing our time together, um, she said, yeah, that was good, you know, it's a it's really good to get my Jesus fix. <laughs> it's really good to get my Jesus fix. 
And I was thinking about that, and I was a little surprised by what she said. You know, here we have this amazing time of worship and teaching, and we're sent back to, you know, our campuses to share Jesus. And, and as she walked away, what she walked away with was this idea of a Jesus fix. Like, okay, I got that. Now I'm going to go off to work or do whatever. And you just kind of leave it there on the, on the field, leave it all out in the field. You know, go back to whatever I was doing until, you know, I need another fix. And I would really like to, like, judge what this girl said. But the reality is, like, we do that. You know, if we're honest, the reality is sometimes that's how we approach church. It's like, well, I'm going to go and get inspired today. And so we struggle with sort of a consumer approach to church. We have, you know, 52 great experiences a year that we, we usually we just leave on the table, you know. We're quick to throw it away and, and, and kind of move on to the next thing. I think the reason is maybe we've lowered our expectations of what the church can be. Maybe we've learned over time to just kind of lower our expectations of what the church can be. Maybe we do come just looking for like a shot in the arm every week. Maybe our kids enjoy running around in the gym, which is great, by the way. I think we're the only CTK that has a gym, uh, so I just want to throw that out there. <laughs> but, but there's this idea, like, you know, are, are we settling for our church experience to be one of temporary comfort? Or are we looking for something greater? I don't think God intended for us to just go from, you know, quick fix to quick fix. He wants something greater for his church. And I know I'm not saying I have all the answers, but I think the picture that Peter gives us is something something deeper. And I think here's the real question. It says when it or when it comes to the church, are we looking for comfort or are we actually looking for completion? Are we looking for comfort or are we looking for completion? See, it's, e- it's tempting to kind of just look for comfort in the church where we can, you know, go to this service or group or whatever. But Jesus, and there's nothing wrong with that, but Jesus actually intended for his church to, be, to mean something deeper. Jesus intended for each of us, like a brick in a house, to find our sense of completion in our work as a church. And I know that can sound kind of radical, and it is kind of radical, but again, Jesus calls us to an extreme amount of unity. See, God made us part of his church, and he set us aside for his mission in the world. He set us aside as a unique community to reach people in the world. And so in that, we're supposed to experience a real degree of unity of love and and mutual growth where we build each other up, where we care more about the other person than ourselves. So I want to encourage us not to lower our expectations of what church can be. We're not called to settle for just going to something that will provide us temporary comfort, but something that will actually lead to us being completed as as a disciple in Christ. And again, I'm not saying we have all the answers, but this is the picture of church that Jesus has put on the table. See, Peter says we are bricks intended to be used to build a spiritual house, a house where God dwells. And each of us have been given a gift that we can contribute to this body of Christ. Every single one of us has been given a gift. Uh, We are all equally important and valuable to, to God in this. And what's been amazing is we uh, have been, I've been in this story now of watching uh, our church form. 
uh, what's been cool to see to see people invest and contribute and and to see these gifts come out and actually be called out. A few weeks ago, we had about 15 of us leaders sitting around a circle, and it was just what I realized is that God had called each one of them, each one of us specifically to this work at this time to use our gifts. And so it's just it was this beautiful picture of, of what God is doing. And uh, most of us were, wh- what was cool is most of us were reluctant when we first felt called, like, I don't know if I want to do that. Um, but God brought us anyways. So it's cool because God has been bringing us together and, and called us out, and he's called us together as a unique community here in Blaine. And what's great is we all offer a diverse set of gifts. We all offer a diverse set of experiences. We all come from different places. Um, but it's not all about uh, about us it's about us that we together have um, what God wants to do here in Blaine we all need each other to function well and I believe we're in the beginning stages of that so your invitation into the church it's not just about comfort it's about your completion it's about God wanting to use you and help you find your fulfillment and doing the work that God has created you for Because when we find our passion and purpose in the kingdom of God, we get to become who God has created us to be, who God has made us to be. And so what we're going to talk about is how Peter frames this, because what Peter tells us is that we actually now have a new vocation. You might know that word. It's like a job, a calling. You know, we all have received this new vocation in Christ. And so the church is, is here to actually train us to live into this new vocation that we have in Christ. We help train each other. We, we help each other um, become who we were made to be in Christ. And so this vocation that we're called to, according to this passage, Peter calls us a priesthood, like a royal and holy priesthood. And so because of our hope, we're called to be a community of priests, And what does he mean by that? You know, first we need to remove from our minds sort of the modern day thinking of priests. We're not called to wear robes, thank goodness. Um, You know, and and even today the word priest with all the kind of the crisis and, and scandal that's going on in the Catholic Church can be sort of a loaded word. So I want to just like take all of that away and I want to think of what God intended the Old Testament priests to be. And basically before Jesus... Um, the, w- the way that God connected with man was through his priests, was through a connection point. There, the priest served as this connection point between God and man. And so God now calls us all priests. He calls us all into this line of work. And so what he invites us into is a, is a continual experience where we get to draw into God you are invited to continually draw into God, to have direct community with the eternal, living, almighty, holy God. You don't need anyone else. Like, it's just you and God. And so that means that you don't need me. (laughs) Uh, You don't necessarily need a church staff or anything else. Like, you can go to God directly. And, and no one is more important than the other. We all have direct access to God, you know. And uh, he says that, P- Peter says we're a priesthood. 
We're to offer spiritual sacrifices to God and to proclaim his excellencies. So we are this connection point between God and man. The, the Latin term for priest is, I, I kind of like this word, um, but it's the word pontifex, which liter- literally means bridge builder. And now Latin wasn't the language that this was written in, but it was the language of the empire, which Peter writes in. But the, the concept is this idea a priest is a bridge builder. It's a bridge builder between God and man. And therefore, I think a better word or a better way to think of it is that we are, are called to be a community of bridge builders. We all share in this task. It's our shared vocation. We are bridge builders. As I kind of uh, thought of that, I thought of like the We Are Farmers commercial, you know? We are bridge builders. Uh, sorry. Anyway, so help me out. Come on. Come on. Sorry. I, I just want to get some laughs out today, too, you know? Sorry coming with okay anyways but uh we're bridge builders um we have access to god we have access to god you have access to god you get to live in the marvelous light of god you get to commune with god um anytime you want you can stop what you're doing and spend time with god that is pretty cool um you as a christian have all of the wisdom and god of, of god in the bible like the Bible opens up who God is to you as you follow him. And then you have the Holy Spirit living in you to help shape you and form you. Even like convicting you sometimes, not so that you feel guilty but that, so you can come back closer to God's heart and be more like Christ. Not only that, you have a community of people who are behind you. You have the church that's here to help support you and build you up in Christ. So you have access to God. And then at the same time, you have access to people. God has placed you where you're at at this specific time and place. Uh, You have been chosen and actually positioned uh, to help others reach out to God right where you're at. I want to share this verse in Acts that I've shared before, but I just, I, I love it. It's Acts 17, 26 through 27. It says this, And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel, they w- feel their way toward him and find him. Th- what this means is that God chose you for where you are and where you work and who your family is. Like, God chose that. We have a tendency to think, ah, oh, it's an accident. Like, we p- replay scenarios. Like, if I had only done this, my life would be completely different. You know, you ever think about that? If you took a turn here instead of going here, um, it would have it ended up completely different. But what this verse said is that God chose you for where you are right now at the exact time that he wanted you to be. And the reason for that is, is that he has people that he wants you to reach, that he wants you to build a bridge for to God. And if you need help to think of all the relationships in your life, I encourage you to turn to your phone and look at your Facebook friend list or Instagram. No, I'm just kidding. Um, okay, guys, come on. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry if this is too heavy. I'll just try to joke a little more. Okay. Um, but no, we, we, uh, we all have these relationships. We are all someone's bridge to God. And uh, you are someone's bridge to knowing Jesus. I want you to know that today. Uh, because, because when people meet you, they get to know what God you serve. They get to know God. And that, that can be a scary, intense thing. 
Um, but as we get to know God, we can just trust that he's going to use our lives to help other people find him. When you love people with the love that you've received in Christ, other people get to experience Jesus. Other people get to, sh- to experience the hands and feet of Jesus. We've got a community that just rallied around, not just ours, but the church in Blaine to pull off this community toy store. And you guys for the last few weeks have just been bringing gifts and, and all sorts of stuff. And it's going to help families who, who don't have a lot uh, through this season give gifts to their kids. Like that is cool. That is like the love of God just in a real easy, practical way. And so when we do stuff like that, it shows people um, a real love and passion for God. And th- the cool thing is, is that we, we do this together. We're called out and called together. So the burden of being that bridge, it doesn't just rest on you. Thank goodness. It rests on a community. It actually, as Jesus prayed, it rests on us actually loving each other well. The people would actually see like, hey, this Jesus thing actually works. Like Jesus actually calling people together to be in profound community works. And the love and unity that we show as the body of Christ actually draws people in. Actually, it, it actually shows people that we, we practice what we preach and that Jesus does change lives. This isn't an easy calling. Um, later in this passage, Peter shares that we actually, in this vocation that we have, we have some occupational hazards. Uh, we have some things that actually can uh, discount us and, uh, as Christians, and it can actually like, affect our, our uh, ability to be a bridge. Um, Peter says in verse 11, he says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles, there's that idea of weary traveler again, to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. He reminds us again that there's this danger, and if we continue to live for the passions in the world, that we'll kind of negate like what's going on with God. That if we continue to live for the things of the world, that, that we won't really be effective in, in reaching others, and it can actually pull us off track. It says that these desires of the flesh wage war against your soul. Like that's a lot of pressure. That's a lot. We're constantly under this attack. We're constantly in this fight. And what keeps the church from being the church is that we're all fighting this stuff. We're all fighting sin. We're all imperfect. The church is going to continue to be imperfect this side of heaven. Um, but c- because, um, you know, the struggle, w- our struggle, it's not just about us. It's about everybody around us. Um, you know, what, what God wants to do is strengthen us. He doesn't want to leave us as some of us feel like shaky bridges. Uh, some of us feel when we talk about this that we are a shaky bridge. You know, no one feels good traveling over a shaky bridge, by the way. When I, when I lived in Portland, I, every day I traveled for work over the Selwood Bridge, which Portland is called Bridgetown, and Selwood's like the last thought on the radar for Portland. It actually, at one time, it had a 1 out of 99 safety rating. So every time I drove over this bridge, it was white-knuckled. It was praying, like, God, don't let this bridge fall over. God, don't let that be the last time I said goodbye to my wife. Like, all my, la- my life flashed before my eyes every time I traveled across this bridge. And, uh, they, and then, like, two years after I left, they got rid of it or they built a different bridge. Um, but it's that idea, like, God doesn't want us to be shaky bridges. Like, he wants us to be, build strong bridges. And so uh, he wants us to watch out because we are, we are in a war. We are in a war. Our soul is being fought for all the time. 
and it's the spirit and the flesh, and there's a battle going on right now. And what might be keeping us from even engaging this idea of extreme unity or reaching out is the war that we're struggling with right now. And if you're there, I want you to know that God is for you, and God wants to fight for you. Peter continues, he says, Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God. When we get it right, no one can argue with the results. When we get it right, no one can argue with the results. No one can argue with a God-changed life. So I just want to encourage you this morning that, uh, that we don't have to be perfect, but as, as we continue, that God will make our lives an example, a bridge that other people can cross. And so church, this morning I want to end, and the, and the team can, can come on up as we start to transition. I want to end by giving us a goal this morning, giving us a goal as a church. And you're like, oh man, a goal? That sounds, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to just call this off. Uh, but this is the goal. Like, let's live it out. Let's become a church of bridge builders. I want to be a church where we really live this out. I want to be a church where we take our relationship with God seriously and where we really do offer people a bridge to find God. You are that connection point between God and others. Yes, they can come here an inspiring message. Yes, they can, people can see different things, but it's really seeing it in action, seeing people live out this faith in God. I want us to be transformed so that we can transform others. And so when we live out this vocation, it just, it, it can change the way we think. It can change the way we love people. And uh, we, can, we can build these bridges into people's lives that they might experience a life they never thought possible. And so these are two things um, about this community as we break it down. The last two points is we want to be a community where everybody contributes. And what I mean by that is we want everyone to, f- to be empowered as a contributor. Um, we want to be uh, built together as this spiritual house that Peter talks about. It. We, everyone has value. Everyone has something to give. And you have a gift. We want to know what that gift is. You have a gift. And maybe you're in a place right now where you're discovering what that is. And I want you to know this is a great place to do that, to try things, to do things. I, uh, in this process, y- you should know that there's a lot of people doing things that they didn't think they'd be doing a year ago. Amen? Um, this is a safe place to grow. And what's been cool is, is I love that, that our, our size right now because so many are contributing. They, they've sacrificed and given and, and are serving, and it's, it's just really, really cool. And so the other thing is we want to be a community where everybody contributes. We also want to be a community where everyone has an on-ramp. And what I mean by that is we want everybody to have an on-ramp to Jesus, and we want everyone to have an on-ramp into meaningful community into a place where they can grow, where they can thrive as a disciple. We want to be a church that builds bridges for people to get to God. We want, we want Jesus to be so evident and so easy to get to because Jesus doesn't hide himself. He makes himself obvious and available to us. Romans 10.9 says, If you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and confess with your mouth that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Like he doesn't make it hard. If you're in that place where you're like, God, Jesus, that's what I want. I want you this morning. Believe it and speak it.
And we're going we're gonna to pray in a moment and give you an opportunity for that. But we also want to be a church that provides obvious opportunities into community. Um, each week, you know, we have a community minute. We're going to highlight different parts, different ways that you can get involved, different ways you can serve, and just ask God over these next few months, God, where are you calling me? What community, what opportunity to serve have you called me into? Um, and in January and February, we're going to be talking more about uh, groups, small groups and, and service opportunities specifically. But we want you to know that, that in Jesus, you've been given this new hope and a new vocation that God wants you to fulfill, that we find our fulfillment when we live as that bridge builder between God and man. So I want to encourage you this morning. We're about living lives that other people can follow. We want people to come to know God. Let's be a community that does that. Let's pray together. Jesus, we're just thankful for you this morning, God. Lord, I'm thankful for, uh, for your grace and your love that God bring us together in such an amazing way. Lord, I pray that you would uh, give us your heart this morning, Father. I pray that you would give us life, that you would give us um, just your presence, God, that, that we might be changed, God. Lord, if we're in a place where we need healing this morning, if we've been hurt before, if we, as we talk about church, God, there's uh, maybe it brings up bad memories, Lord. I pray, God, that you would uh, heal us, God, that you would meet us in that place, that that may be the past, but that doesn't have to define the future, God. Lord, I pray that you would stir in each of us, God, to be the people that you want us to be, God. Lord, we come empty-handed this morning. Lord, there's a lot going on in each of our lives, God. Lord, I pray that whatever that pressing thing is this morning, God, that you would allow us to lay it down, Father. Lord, that you would allow us, God, to get excited about the things that you're excited about, that you would allow us to dream, Lord, maybe we've been in a place of survival for a long time. Maybe we've just been making it through. God, I pray that you would pull us out of that place. Father, I pray for each of us that are in that place, God, that you would meet us, that you would encourage us, Father, Lord, with your love and your hope, God. Lord, our vision is to be this community that you're talking about, God. Lord, to be a community that is connected to you, and connected to others. And Lord, I pray that you would remove those things that keep us from that. God, that you would remove those things, whatever those things are in our life, whatever is keeping us from you, God, I pray that you would give us the strength to lay it down this morning. And as we think about just kind of this season, God, this season of, of Christmas, of, of unity and of love, God, that it can be, Lord, I pray that that would be something that isn't just a seasonal thing, but that it is a year-round thing, God. That when people come into contact with us, what they would walk away with would be love. God, what they would walk away with would be hope. And that hope is near. So Jesus, I pray as we, as we end in worship this morning, God, and as we leave, that you would uh, continue to speak to us that you would continue to be at work in our lives, God, that you would light a spark in our hearts that would uh, create a passion for you that is unquenchable, that, that cannot be snuffed out, God. 
So I pray for that this morning, God. Jesus, be with us.